conductive wire And you were so electric I had no say when you came so near And just passed right through me Before we dive into today's episode, I wanted to let you know that you can follow Welcome to Geekdom on Instagram at Welcome to Geekdom and on Twitter at Geekdom Pod. There are links to those in the show notes. You can also support the show on Patreon, where I will be releasing bonus content for this podcast and my other podcast, Chat Cemetery. You can rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or on Podchaser. There are links to all of those things in the show notes, so be sure to do that. It is a huge help for the show and I really appreciate it. Now, let's dive into today's episode. Hey everyone, welcome to Geekdom is Back. I'm your host, Deanna Chapman, and today I am joined by Katie Schaefer to keep our Tim sale month going, and I'm going to go ahead and start all of these episodes off with a quick disclaimer about Jeff Loeb. We know he is not fantastic. I kind of dislike how much I like his work because of that, but I think with these Marvel comics, and Katie, tell me if you agree, I honestly like Tim Sale's art more than I think I like the writing in these ones. Yeah, Tim Sale is is the biggest draw for these in my mind, both on the DC and the Marvel side. Yeah, and I think The Long Halloween has a better story, possibly, than any of these Marvel comics. But the way that Tim Sale drew all of the characters, and, you know, we're talking about Hulk Gray today, which... I never remember how people spell gray and I just Me go A E I don't know I interchange them <laughs> but Me too. You know that's not the important thing here but Tim Sale's art mixed with Matt Hollingsworth's colors so good. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's gorgeous. Like it, it's something to just kind of look at. You know, you read this story on the page and then you look at it. In particular, you know, this one has such a watercolor effect that works so well for both the story that's being told and the art style. Mm-hmm. Like, this one feels very much of piece when it comes to the art, the story, in particular, this story that they're telling and how they weave it all together. Yeah, because there's kind of two stories happening at the same time in these comics. And I noticed this with Spider-Man Blue as well, because in that one, you have Peter Parker sort of reminiscing on the early days. And in this, you have Bruce Banner talking to a therapist, basically. And that's the narration we get the entire time. And then we have sort of the Hulk origin story happening alongside that. And to see the origin story done this way, I do really like all of these in the color series for what they are as origin stories because they're all six issues, which is nice. Nice and compact. Right. One condensed story. And you were saying before this, you know, it took you like 30 minutes to read this. So even though there's a lot of narration, it doesn't take a long time to get through these issues. Right. Because I was flying through them too. But for you, how do you feel about the narration? Because narration is so hit or miss with me and I know you and I have discussed this in the context of like film and TV and how sometimes it just does not work. Yeah, and I think I'm I'm always less is more especially in comics with narration, but I think, you know, the therapist/friend framing device that they're using that the narration plays with throughout the whole story works pretty well 
specifically because that narration isn't just giving us like this is the details of what happened, you know, in his past. It's also informing us of how he feels now in the conversation between him and the therapist. So I felt like it adds something rather than just reinforcing a story, which is often what narration is meant to do. It helps that this is bookended by scenes with the therapist. That's what we open with. And you see his name on the sign kind of just hanging kind of down a little in the, you know that first sequence that we see him in and you can tell that okay maybe Bruce got a little mad here right you know and then at the end we see Bruce literally turn into the Hulk and bust out of the building yes Be- and the therapist is still like oh I'm so sorry oh that poor man and I'm like dude that's gonna cost your insurance so much yeah it's like the whole brick side of the building <laughs> that's just busted out right right like you should probably leave the building sir it might collapse now that was a load-bearing wall so i think that helps with this narration and it takes a pause there isn't narration on every single page especially in the first issue which makes it a little more manageable for me and you know to have bruce talking about himself really in this way I think it gives you a lot of sides to the character that you don't really get to see necessarily. Because when you have an Incredible Hulk title, typically there's some big thing going on or, you know, it's sort of focused on Bruce the Scientist versus Hulk and not really Bruce dealing with either of those things in this way, or then you have it tying into events and Hulk is part of the Avengers and Secret Wars and whatever other events, Planet Hulk, you know? (laughs) Right. He's a character amongst other events. This one, I agree, is so much about not just Hulk, but Bruce Banner and Banner wrestling with how much of Hulk is him and how much of him is Hulk. And, and like the deep kind of things that you often do get into when you go into a therapy session that is something so rare. And I, I love, as someone who's been through a lot of therapy, um, this therapy session felt very realistic with the therapist just like, oh, really? And Bruce snapping back, don't even, don't give me your psychiatrist bullshit. I was like, <laughs> that is what they do. <laughs> a good one anyway, will gently gently poke at you to get more info and it seems even just from the little bit we get from this therapist and the conversation that the two are having Mm -hmm. it makes sense that bruce calls him a friend because that's definitely how he comes across in this story yeah and you have that moment like you said earlier where he kind of pokes a little too hard yes (laughs) there goes the hulk slash bruce and i really want to focus on the art in this one because when you read a Spider-Man comic, you kind of know what you're going to get. And in Spider-Man Blue, it very obviously harkened back to the early days of Spider-Man with the character designs of Gwen and MJ and everyone else. And in this too, you know, we get that Iron Man appearance and he's literally yes. in the like gold Iron Man giant clunky suit. <laughs> right, which is one of the very earliest ones from the comics, right? I haven't read much early Iron Man, so this is like his one of his first few iterations. And that is so much better than if it had been, you know, a more modern Iron Man. Yeah, and you can tell this is taking place in a different time period too, just based on how 
Betty dresses, because obviously with the military, not much has changed. Right. In uniforms are uniforms. Many years, you know, yeah. they might have more things you can pin to the uniforms now. But yes. other than that, the uniforms largely look the same as they have for the last hundred years, maybe more. Who knows what time is? But, you know, so it's those scenes with Hulk and Betty where you really see what things are like and what the time period is like because you have the fact there's this comment in one of the issues where she's like, you know, because I'm a woman, I can't do anything. Yeah, there's definitely this sexist environment and the misogyny, especially of General Ross um, coming in where even he makes the comments, you asked why you couldn't be a soldier and all of these. And Betty's strength and willingness to like, well, I'm the general's daughter. I'm going to have opinions and push my way around if I can, because that's who I am. And well, that's not good, you know, in the actual military. In this comic, it's necessary in order to really tell us who Betty is. Or there's, okay, there's this moment at the end, near, I think, issue four or five, where the therapist asks him, like, is this the Betty that was? Or is this the Betty that you're remembering? And Bruce makes a comment that it may be a little closer to the Betty that she became at the end of her life rather than what she was when this incident happened. And that seems to play out throughout this whole thing. You know, Betty seems on looks wise, very young, Mm -hmm. but she does not act like someone who is necessarily cowed to her father's demands as Ross seems to think she is. Yeah. It feels like this is approximately late 50s, early 60s, which would make sense for, you know, when Hulk was introduced into the comics. And, you know, I'm just looking at this Iron Man suit again. And it's just (laughs) so good, because, you know, you have that final splash page, basically, in issue three. So to close out, you know, halfway through this miniseries, you just get this, you know, giant gold Iron Man image. And it's so good. The only design I think that kind of surprised me, and this is simply because I've just gotten so used to Mark Ruffalo being Bruce Banner, but the design of Bruce Banner, I was like, oh, tall, lanky, white dude. (laughs) Yes. Why am I surprised? (laughs) But at the same time, it just kind of caused this disconnect in my brain. I was like, oh, yeah, it's not going to look like Mark Ruffalo because they're going back in time. And, you know, obviously, we only see the Iron Man suit, not who is in the Iron Man suit. Yes, but we do get that brief glimpse of Tony earlier, and he's holding the briefcase. Yes. But I had the same thought about Tony Stark. I, you know, because we've, we've, I've obviously read The Long Halloween and we uh, talked about Dark Victory. To me, I was like, is it like one of the Falcone kids? Wait, no, this is a different different universe entirely because he's wearing that, you know, thin pinstriped suit and is a very with a very tapered waist and it, it looks very mobstery. Mm-hmm. It also, when you find out it's Tony Stark, it's like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Tony always dresses to the nines, so especially with his gold Iron Man suit. Yeah, and obviously with this color series. You know, the colors have 
some sort of significance. And we know the Hulk as, you know, the big green angry one. Yep. But in this, we don't get that until the last two, three pages in the comic. When we go back to current era where Bruce is talking to his therapist friend. Yeah, and he's, you know, holding the picture of Betty and the green and the purple just pop off the page so much. And, you know, there's a page where you slowly see how green he's becoming when he's turning. And it's like the first panel has like a very muted green and then it's getting a little brighter and then it gets like green, green (laughs) and his eyes go green and it looks so good. (laughs) I know it's so masterfully done because it's obviously, and there's little hints throughout the book where um, his eyes will change and his eyes will change. And pretty early on, there's that brief moment where the therapist almost pokes too far and you see his arm go just a little bit Mm -hmm. green and big. And then it, the next shot it's gone it's back to a bruce arm it was obviously so carefully thought out about when to use color work in this and especially with the hulk in particular and it it's its own visual story almost like you don't you don't need to have art theory in you to look at this and feel things based on the changes of uh, the hulk skin yeah and even the purple of his pants is more muted in earlier pages of specifically issue six, you know, and the orange and yellows in the fire when the helicopter goes down, because Mm -hmm. a lot of this comic has been so muted when they add those pops of color, it just draws your eye to those sections of the page immediately. And, you know, I do want to give some credit on the Betty front again, because she's a very independent woman, which is not normal for this time period. And I like that that was kept despite issues people may have with the way Jeff Loeb writes women, kind of like Joss Whedon. There can be some issues there, maybe not as glaring, but they're still there. And the fact that this one kind of, at least attempts to subvert that in an era where it didn't necessarily have to. And it's illustrated not just through Betty's own behavior, because we don't get a whole lot of Betty. We get just enough. Mm -hmm. But you'd see how Ross talks about her, about, oh, you you can't be like your mother. Can't be like your mother. And And just reiterating, like, you need to do what I want. And his insistence and frustration about it implies that she's maybe not the best at, quote unquote, listening to dad so and and her ability to push around you know the armed services and and that the men listen to her when you know the hulk has ross and she's like dad did you think about this fact that it'll do nothing to him and kill you did you think about that no okay okay (laughs) she's so so deep with such broad strokes and that's really rare i think and partially because of the artwork, because Tim Sale's facial drawings are just perfect. <laughs> yeah, and he draws General Ross as a hothead very, very well, too, because oh, of God, yeah. how good those facial expressions are. And, you know, 
obviously, I dubbed this Tim Sale Month, so I I enjoy talking about the art aspects of this. But is there anyone who likes General Ross? I mean, I don't. If you're out there, speak up. <laughs> but also, we have questions. Yeah, I haven't seen their original, like, way back when Hulk TV show from when I was, like, not even born yet, because I think that was in the 70s. Um, yeah, the Lou Ferrigno one, right? Yes, exactly. But otherwise, like, as he's portrayed, because he's not, he's barely in the Ang Lee Hulk. We'll just skip over that one. It's barely a Hulk movie. But in the 2008 Incredible Hulk, Ross is played by William Hurt, and who then continues to play Ross in the MCU. Mm-hmm. Even in that, it's the same. He just comes across as this arrogant jerk. In this, it's even more heightened. Yeah. Ross is just so hateable in this. <laughs> because of both the dialogue and his facial expressions and body language that Sale gives him. Yeah, obviously with six issues, if we don't want to spoil every little detail of them, these episodes aren't going to be too terribly long. And Mm -hmm. I just really wanted to take the month of February here to appreciate Tim Sale's art. It is a bit unfortunate that most of it comes with Jeff Loeb writing. And I don't want to harp on that too much, though, because why give people attention when they don't deserve it and i think you know what tim sale deserves it tim sale does deserve it but katie do you have any final thoughts on hulk gray before we dive into some recommendations yeah you know this was something i picked up years and years ago um just on a whim because i also like tim sale and jeff Loeb, and i saw the art style i was like oh great and i was not a particular who's a fan or ever reader of the hulk and this was more than enough to get me interested so i really appreciate that fact that even with this with this kind of story even if you're not into that character this has something for you if you are interested in touching thoughtful stories that's why i like these jeff Loeb tim sale collaborations yeah and for me It's always hard when you find out someone sucks later and you're like, Uh but I already loved this thing because you and I have talked Batman the Long Halloween and Mm -hmm. Batman Dark Victory, both on air and off. I think I actually did the Long Halloween episode with someone forever ago, someone else forever ago. (laughs) But you and I have for sure talked about it off air. And, you know, it's tough. So, you know, I hope Tim Sale does some more stuff soon. I don't actually know what he's been up to, really. Yeah, he's he's an on and off uh, artist. That's the weird thing. It's it's weirder with artists because, you know, they just kind of get paired up a lot of times. Yeah. And their style can change. You know, this is kind of a style that he reserves specifically for when he's telling these kinds of stories with Jeff Loeb. Mm-hmm. Like his, his regular artwork, or his more common artwork, rather, is similar But it's not nearly as stylized as this kind is, which is what really just makes it pop. Yeah, and obviously when you are recreating a very specific time period with these characters, you're going to have stuff that maybe looks different from something that's more modern or, you know, even the Batman stuff looks different than the Marvel stuff. But Katie, recommendation time. What do you have for us? I'm going to go way back to when I first really started getting into comics and bring up my favorites, the X-Men. Um, I really loved the... There's a trade paperback out there called X-Men Origin of Generation X, um, which takes place in the X-Men Phalanx Covenant storyline. And it is about 
angsty young mutants who have the not so great powers a lot of the time and it's so very very 90s and it's really fun it goes places that the x-men hadn't really branched out to yet this is the first instance where they let them be quite this sassy you know i feel like this was probably some of the inspiration for them to make or at least how it came out later in the 2000s, the Runaways comics. Mm -hmm. Different, totally different stories, but the Runaways is where they really got to stretch their wings and be teenagers, and that's similar to this. So it's super fun. It's not all that unavailable if you don't have uh, Marvel Unlimited. It is available on Amazon and totally worth checking out, especially if you love uh, the era of the X-Men where everybody had a 17,000 pockets. Lots of pockets here, especially on the thigh area for some reason. I just want everyone to know that I got Katie into Marvel Unlimited. She has become <laughs> yes, a convert, despite the fact that her and I both love physical comics still. And I still buy them. Yeah, I will too, but not Marvel. <laughs> Sorry, Marvel. <laughs> I'll buy trade paperbacks, or if it's like a super special issue, I'll buy it. But it's like I can read so much so quickly, and... I have limited space. My husband's been collecting comics for decades at this point. So our comic storage space is very limited. Yeah. You know, it's the same with me. I probably yes. don't have as much because I have one room, not an entire house to fill. Right? <laughs> you get really crazy when you have a whole house and you're like, ah, I'll find a place to shove it. And then you go to put it there and you're like, oh, there was already a bunch of stuff there. <laughs> and then you hope you never move again in your life. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So Deanna, what are you recommending for us? For anyone who is a fan of Hulk in general, maybe if you particularly enjoyed Thor Ragnarok, I would highly, highly recommend checking out Planet Hulk. And this was a story that was written by Greg Pak. And it runs from, I want to say, issue 92 to issue 105 and there is also a giant size hulk from 2006 sort of in the middle there there's a great reading guide on marvel unlimited i will link to the trade of it so you don't have to track down what issues it is but this was one of the first hulk stories i read and it's so different from pretty much anything you can imagine <laughs> in a hulk story and to have this come in the midst of a long run, you know, the Incredible Hulk series that this takes place during started in 1999 and this storyline takes place in like 2006. So this was back when they didn't have number ones every year or two. <laughs> yep. Yep. That's besides the point. If you enjoy Hulk, I can't recommend Planet Hulk enough. It's a fun time. It's different. And... You know, just as a little bonus here, I have heard very good things about Immortal Hulk, which is a pretty long ongoing now, if I recall. And I think I read one or two issues and then just forgot to return to it because I think I heard about it when it was first coming out. So it wasn't quite on Marvel Unlimited yet. So that tells you how long ago, because I think there's like 50 issues on Marvel Unlimited now or something. Oh I don't know. It's a lot. A few years. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. That means you can sit and binge it, which is my favorite thing to do with comics, especially on Marvel yep. Unlimited. Yes, read the next issue. 
<laughs> I, I sure will read that. Thank Five you. hours have gone by. <laughs> right? Oh. <laughs> Responsibility? It's like that skit in Portlandia where they're like, oh, just one more episode of Battlestar Galactica. And then two months has gone by. And they're like, just one more. Like, oh. Saw a little too much of myself in that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Katie... Thank you for joining me. That wraps up our discussion on Hulk Gray and our recommendations. I'm sure you'll be back. You always are. Absolutely. I always am, especially when it's comics. Exactly. Thank you again. Thank you.